At MECED in Charlotte, North Carolina, we help transform the lives of young people who face obstacles. We are proud to point to the success of not only our graduates, but so many others in our community. Join us as we unlock the secrets to their success. You are going to hear how young people navigated a system that was not designed for everyone to succeed. You are going to be moved and inspired by the stories of each of our guests. Classes in session. Here is your host, Ross Dennis. Welcome, everyone, to Season 2 of Let's Reinvent School. As you might recall, Season 1, we focused on programs, policies, and practices. In Season 2, we focused, put a spotlight on outputs, the people whose experiences in school have contributed to who they are as adults. You know, everyone has their own unique school experience. Some of us have great memories of our years in school. Others had to overcome obstacles to succeed in both school and in life. We want to highlight all of those school stories, some of them funny, some sad, some warm and endearing, others frustrating and infuriating, all compelling, all real, and all about our individual and collective experiences. What do we hope to learn? We'll be looking for themes and shared experiences, both good and bad. We want to be inspired to create the schools that our kids need to thrive in the world in which they will live. Our goal is to invite and explore multiple perspectives in addition to the experiences of those who attended public schools in different parts of the United States. We're inviting graduates of private, parochial, and homeschool to share their experiences. We want everyone to know they're in good hands, and uh, and uh, and that today's show is focused on service. Let me begin by saying that dedicating one's life to the service of others is both honorable and challenging. This is particularly true in a world where communitarian values are often at odds with those that define success, what is best for the individual. Today's program spotlights the journey of two individuals who've made a choice to serve, how their experiences in school inspired them, and what motivates them to serve. These two extraordinary individuals, one running to retain his seat on the Union County Board of Education, and another who's running for a seat on the Board of Education in Mecklenburg County, both in North Carolina. Our focus today is not to provide an opportunity for each to campaign, explain their platform, or make a case for election. Rather, we want to focus on their experiences in school and what in their own lives continues to inspire them to serve. My co-host today is the extraordinary Omar Parks. Omar is the director of MECED's Career Pathways Program, Prior to serving as director, Omar spent a decade helping young people realize their dreams through his work with RestCare, Workforce Services. As MECED's Career Pathways Director, Omar applies his experience and demonstrates his commitment to ensuring that all Charlotte Mecklenburg High School students find and stay on a path to a bright future. He's also an exceptional and well-known DJ who's often known as DJOP. Today, we're going to stick with Omar. Welcome, Omar. All right, let's introduce our guest. Uh, why don't you start with John, and I'll follow up with an introduction to Stephanie. Absolutely. Happy to be here with everybody this afternoon. Um, I, I've known John Kirkpatrick the fourth for what feels like a lifetime, but we met um, just about a half a year ago um, when he uh, began uh, supporting our team and the capacity of the Career Pathways Advisor at West Charlotte High School. John is a man of many talents, um, and he is a um, pillar of the Union County community. 
um, in serving um, in many different capacities, including um, as a pastor of a church, um, the leader of a, of a nonprofit that he runs, um, and now he is running to retain his seat in the un- on the Union County School Board. Um, Farmer John, I call him Farmer John because that's, that's how we lovingly refer to him here. That is a term of endearment for sure, but he's a force to be reckoned with and um, everybody's going to be happy to learn more about him. Um, so this is John Kirkpatrick before. Thanks, Omar. Welcome, John. And Stephanie, Stephanie Sneed, you know, Stephanie's mom and grandma instill the importance of not only getting an education, but excelling in education. Stephanie's the product of public school education, which led her to studies at the University of Texas at Arlington, graduating with a bachelor's degree in science with a concentration in environmental science. She continued with master's coursework in city and regional planning. She later attended Howard University School of Law, obtaining her Juris Doctor and her license to practice law. She's currently seeking election to the Charlotte Mecklenburg Board of Education. And we're happy to have her. She has a hard stop halfway through the program. So we're gonna begin hearing about Stephanie's story. Stephanie, welcome to the program. And as you know, this is all about service today. What brings people, what in their lives led them to be so committed to the service of others? Tell us a little about your story growing up. So my story, it's, it's I don't know that it's an exciting one or interesting one. It's it's one of, of, when we talk about service, like there hasn't been a time that I don't remember not serving in some capacity. Like, and I just think that it, that is passed on generationally in, in my family. Um, like, for example, my mom was, you know, she volunteered at the voting precinct. Um, she was my Girl Scout leader. And those kind of traditions kept with me. Um, I'm a Girl Scout leader myself now. Um, and, you know, so those type of traditions kept with me. Like, I have always felt this sense of service and community. And it kind of started, started with, you know, with school. Um, We had a small um, elementary school and the, but the, but my memories of it is that the, the community was committed to it. Like there were grandmothers that were always at the school. My grandmother volunteered as a substitute teacher at my school. I didn't like it. You know what I mean? Because, you know, that was my grandma, you know, in the classroom, but um, you know, it just was that sense. So even at a very young age, um, I remember volunteering and I'm trying to think about the age that I was doing this. It had to be maybe 11 or 12. I volunteered at the public library, like just shelving books. And then it went on to, I was a candy striper. I had the traditional candy stripe uniform um, that I don't even know if they eat, still do that. I, don't, I mean, I know that you can volunteer at the hospital, but I don't think they have that traditional uniform anymore. So my path has just kind of been always in that public service. Um, you know, I felt like, I always felt like things were greater than myself. Um, and it's not, and the, the weird, the crazy thing, I don't want to say the crazy thing about it is, I think that one of the things when we talk about public service is, is one of it is, it's like, you know, some people do it like that. They feel like they have an obligation to do it. You know, we take hours, whatever, whatever you 
however they want to serve is fine. But I think there's a distinct difference when you believe in it. Like when I say believe in it, I mean, when I believe in that we have to be a support to our fellow humankind, like that's a difference. Or you're just there because we have to help these poor people. Like that's just not my lens. My lens is very much like we live in a community. We should be a supporter to our community. Like we're all in this this thing uh, together and to make our spaces better and the betterment of everyone, you know, you know, from, you know, the lifting the floor and ceiling type of concept. Yeah. So you're talking about communitarian values, right? You embrace that, that service isn't something that you're forced to do. It's not punishment. Right. Know, right. But it's something that you just embrace. How much would you say Girl Scouts um, contributed to this? You're no, it's huge. Award winner, aren't you? I'm sorry, what? Aren't you a gold award? Yes, I'm a gold award winner. So for those that don't know what that is, that's the, the equivalent to like an Eagle Scout, right? So that means you've done so many hours, you've done so many leadership projects, you've done, you know, all of those things. I think that was a great pathway, um, even to leadership, right? Which is one of the important reasons that I felt to, to lead to lead girls, right? Um, because and I can't remember the number. I wish I could. But the number of women that are in Congress that were Girl Scouts, it's like high. It's like the majority of women that are in Congress were a Girl Scout at some point in their life. So just think about it like that. That's like an amazing impact that an organization can have in developing future leaders. So, I mean, I think it's absolutely key. And, you know, you know, I don't know what the number is for the number of women that are Girl Scout gold um, award recipients. Um, but I'm sure that statistic is the same as like equivalent to an Eagle Scout. Yeah. Now I know two, our 29 year old daughter was a gold award winner and you, Stephanie. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, I know what it takes to, to do that and school, you know, you talked about a small school, community-based school, grandma's substitute teaching there. Uh, do you, do you recall any teachers who had a big impact on your life? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And it's been several teachers through throughout throughout my lifetime that, you know, that distinct that I, you know, distinctly remember. And you know, those are always those teachers. And it's not necessarily teachers that I made a good grade in their class. Like that's not not that's not the that's not the standard for it. But it's the teachers that have just generally, like you can tell, like the teachers that generally have uh, genuinely have an interest in me or, you know, setting me on the right path or, you know, a pull my coattail like Stephanie. Now, you know, you're not supposed to be doing that. You know, I was always um, and I don't want to say, you know, probably, you know, one of those talkative kids, um, you know, in class. And they I would have to constantly move my seat because, you know, I'm talking to whoever. And eventually that seat would ha have to be out the door because it didn't matter who was sitting next to me. But all of those teachers that, you know, really took that time to invest to say, hey, um, you know, have you considered these things? Um, consider the uh, think about the consequences of your actions, um, the perceptions that you have, like all of those people that those teachers that has instilled those little nuggets. And really, I think the term that I'm looking for the most is probably the what we often hear is the teacher that that met me where I was. You know what I mean? Like that has that genuine connection. Yeah. Why is it not a surprise to any of us that you talked a lot in school? <laughs> I did. I did. A funny story is I went to a new school. Um, uh, 
and, and this is kind of a transition of a story. Like, you know, you know, my dad died when I was, was young. Like I was eight, nine years old. I just turned nine years old. Um, and the school that I was talking about where my grandmother, um, would substitute. Um, so at some point, so, you know, we struggled a while, like we kind of bounced around a little bit. Um, eventually, you know, you know, we got to the place where my mom could get a house and buy a house. So, at the at, at, that was a different elementary school. So I went to that new elementary school and the teacher called my mother on the first day of school. And she was like, oh, you know, I just want to talk to you about Stephanie. Um, she Does she know these kids? And she was like, no, she's never, this is a new neighborhood for her. And, and, and um, you know, she's talking to all the kids, like, you know, while I'm doing the lesson or whatever. She says, I'm, I just want to tell you now because I don't want this to be a problem throughout the school year. She was like, she doesn't know anybody. And the teacher was like, oh, my God. That's her response was, well, we're going to have a problem. <laughs> That's wonderful. I mean, it's a great story. And and something else you said sticks with me. Those teachers that made a big impact on you didn't necessarily, they weren't the ones that you got good grades with necessarily, but rather yeah. you knew that they had your best interest at heart. Yeah, absolutely. And, you, and your dignity was not at risk with them. Right. And I can tell you, I could distinctly remember not doing well in some of those teachers' classes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but I can tell you what did happen by the end of the school year, you know, it transformed. Like, you know what I mean? Like, now I am performing in this class. Like, you know what I mean? So those those relationships are key, like, in, in with students. Like, really just meeting a student where they are, I think is, uh, is huge. It's huge. It, it, it being relatable. Yeah. Omar, do you have any questions for Stephanie? I do. I do. I'm really enjoying learning about your journey <clears throat> into uh, leadership. And I'm wondering, as I think about, you know, selfishly, I'm thinking about how to relate this to the students that we work with. Um, and, you know, we provide, you know, opportunities for our students to find success in, in the workforce and in their career uh, educational journeys. And I'm wondering if you can think of a moment in your journey you know, I understand that you've, you've, you've been involved with the Girl Scouts and, you know, you've had teachers that have imparted, um, you know, some good lessons on you. But was there a particular moment when there was a light switch that helped you realize this is what I want to do with my life? More than just experience that I want to have as a you know elementary student, a middle school student, a high school student. When did you realize that this is what you wanted your life to be? And how can we encourage the students that we work with to see the value in civic service? I mean, I think it's hard. That's a hard question because I don't know that I have figured this thing out yet. You know what I mean? Like, have I figured it out? I don't know. I, I don't. I really, truly don't know. And I think that for one students, like the, the advice that I give to people is young people is it's OK to try to figure it out. Right. Mm -hmm. So I didn't I didn't immediately go to law school. I didn't. I didn't. Like, I was like, you know, an older student. You know, I, I mean, I was one of the older students. I mean, you know, there was a lot of students in there that went straight from undergrad to law school. That was not me. I had been in the workforce a while. And I was like, this is something I, I think I'm interested in. And I just tried it. So the, the best way to do that is, you know, look, seek out for students, seek out something you're interested in, even if you think it is insurmountable, like your dream is big. 
like, you know, the number one thing to, to keep you in your same place is, is not to try, right? Like you have to try these things, like it, and whether it's something, and that's why I kind of appreciate the work that you guys do. Um, because even if these students start off in, you know, a particular trade, they could get in that trade and not like it. And I'll tell you a good, a, sto- a good story about that with education. Um, so at one point, and I don't even know why this was my thing, right? So when I was in high school, um, I said I wanted to be a civil engineer. I don't know why I was like fascinated, like, you know, you do draw, draw bridges and all this kind of stuff. So I did a summer internship um, and internships are important. Opportunities are important like that. Like the more exposure you have to career paths like that, I mean, it is like, I think it makes a huge difference for students. So I have to save that plug there. Um, so I worked an internship for the state. I'm from Texas for the Texas Department of Transportation. And I, you know, because that's where civil engineers, right? They draw bridges and roads and all that kind of stuff there. So I go there, I work the summer, when I tell you I hated that thing by the time I got out of there, I was like, oh, my God, I cannot do this for a living. I, I was like, it's because you know what it was? It was very solitary. Like, so you're on a computer. You're doing these roads and bridges and traffic patterns and all this other kind of stuff. Like, but it's very much um a solitary thing. So that just, it didn't fit my personality. So then it got me off of that path. Like, I don't want to do this, you know, um, at all. (laughs) You know, Stephanie, we have about a minute uh, until we take a break. I just want to hear, you know, you are running for the school board in Mecklenburg County. And, you know, some people say it's the most thankless job in the world. No good good deed goes unpunished. People yelling at meetings. How do you, you know, in a relatively short period of time, how do you, Brace yourself for that kind of pushback. Or- I have been trained for it. Like I, I, and, and plus it, this is how much I believe in it because I mean, even in a process of running, like, you know, you get beat up on, right. I mean, I've run before, like, so it has to be something in me, like either this, I truly believe in this or I'm truly crazy um, that I truly, you know what I mean? So that I want that this is the space that I believe that I should be in and the difference that I want to make. Like, this is just how much I'm dedicated to it. So those type of things don't necessarily bother me. I don't take it personally, but it is very tough. It is, it is, it's tough. And you subjecting yourself to a lot of criticism. Well, we wish you well in that, uh, or inspired by anybody who takes on that kind of a challenge. So thank you for being with us today. I know that you have a a, a, a meeting with a judge, apparently. Yes. Uh, we'll work to do in a couple of minutes. So we're going to take a break. You're going to learn about MechEd, more about us. If you choose to donate, uh, we'd, we'd love you to do that at www.meched.org. When we get back, we're going to be talking with John Kirkpatrick and Omar Parks about their service journey. So thank you all. We'll see you on the other side. And thank you so much, Stephanie. So MECED is a college and career readiness uh, institution that is very committed to workforce development, has been for quite some time, with a special emphasis on making sure that the kids who face obstacles in our community have a fair shot at a bright future. Right now, we're working with young people from uh, Garinger, from Harding University High, West Charlotte, and Chambers High School. Uh, before the pandemic, they were all on the bottom fifth of the economic ladder. These days, they, it's hard for them to even find that ladder. 
and we provide job shadows, uh, paid internships. We'll put, pay for career clothing, transportation, food, certification programs. The goal is to make sure that every every young person in Mecklenburg County has an opportunity to to live a life where they can thrive, both in school and out of school. And we believe that that doesn't happen just by being in school. That school isn't enough. That to be educated requires much more than school. Experiences matter. My experiences with MedEd, uh, they put me in an internship at the hospital for two years. I think I think I do think MedEd is invested in me, um, living my dream. They want the best for each and every one of their students, and it's like they won't go down without a fight. <laughs> so MedEd means opportunity. Family, friendship. I am a healthcare tech at Atrium Health University in the Maternity Center. Uh, career Pathways, we work with underserved high school students. We put them in internships at 135 different businesses and industries around Mecklenburg County. It's, it's a powerful economic mobility machine. The experience with Career Pathways, it made me more determined. That's how I got my job at Atrium, because I volunteered for four years at the hospital. So it made me get connections, and, and they said, I'll, I'll give you a call. With um, the students that we've had, the preparation that they had through Career Pathways was just exceptional. Honestly, I don't know what I would would do without Career Pathways. Like, I don't want to see it. Like, it's not, I don't know. Having someone to talk to and a shoulder to cry on, you know, different family. MECED's been around since 1991. We're here to serve young people in Mecklenburg County, and we're here uh, to make sure that they have the experiences, the knowledge, the skills that they are gonna need to thrive in life. Young people spend only 20% of their time in school. 80% of their life is spent outside of school. And we wanna make sure that we recognize that education doesn't just equal school. We learn in all different kinds of places and different ways. With after school, you're hitting on academics, you're hitting on the things that they might not have during regular school. So like, you have visual art, dance, theater, coding. They still get to do with their friends at school, with people who are just like them. Some of them don't even know they could dance. They didn't know, some of them don't know that they can draw. Um, so we try to bring those things out of them that they don't even know that they're capable of. But we've really enjoyed the support and appreciated the support from Charlotte Next and Mac Ed, not just in um, financial assistance, but also just giving us assistance and support along the way to get the programs up and running. Not every student has the opportunity to experience and, and participate in in-school or out-of-school activities. They have so many demands on themselves. And MECED opens that door to those students. Every student is different. And what MECED does a fabulous job of is meeting that student where they are. Welcome back from recess to Let's Reinvent School with Ross Dennis. Got your thinking cap on today? We're going to teach you how to reinvent the public education system. And we want to hear from you. Feel free to call in to ask a question or to tell us your story. Call in to 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show with Ross Dennis. Welcome back, everyone. 
You know, before the break, we were speaking with Stephanie Sneed, uh, a Mecklenburg County resident running for school board in Mecklenburg County, talking about her journey. We were inspired by some of the stories she told. Mm-hmm. And now we're shifting our focus to John, John Kirkpatrick, JJK4, and uh, Omar Parks and I will be uh, you know, asking some questions and hearing his story because it's, uh, it's quite, an, quite, a, quite a story on paper even. You know, John works with Transforming Youth Movement. Uh, he's uh, not only a Pathways Advisor here at, at West Charlotte High School, but he's he's he seems to be everywhere, including run, he's on the school board in Union County and is running a game for that seat. I'm going to start by asking you a question, John. Were you appointed to this seat or did you win an election? Yes, sir. So um, the position that currently, well, not currently, but um, how I did obtain he froze for a moment. I, I'm sure he'll be back in a second. I do know that he was appointed to the seat after a vacancy, and he was a, a point. Uh, the NAACP played a large role in him um, having the seat that he currently holds. Um, I do know that much. Um, I'm wondering if I can. I'm going to try to reach to offline and see if we can get him back on. Yeah. So the, here's a man, uh, Omar Parks. Here's another man. John Kirkpatrick, who are both dedicated to the service of others, both embracing communitarian values. Uh, and it's fascinating to me how, how someone's journey is such that it inspires them to be of service to others, as opposed to living in a world, frankly, that's all about the individual. And, you know, what what's in it for me, which drives so much. So, Omar, while we're waiting for John, can you give us a little bit of your journey? Sure. So um, I North, right? You went to school in Connecticut. I, I I'm from um, a small town in Connecticut, Broomfield, Connecticut, right outside of Hartford, Connecticut. And um, my journey into service was one that I didn't even realize was taking place as it was happening. Um, in the so I went to high school um, between '92 and '96, and. Um, Right during my freshman year, um, that was we were right on the uh, right in the middle of the AIDS pandemic epidemic crisis, and there were a lot of there was a lot of energy focused on you know AIDS awareness and and, and spreading safer sex um, initiatives and things like that uh, amongst all different populations, and I got involved with um, a few different organizations in that effort. And I got to travel the country spreading um, factual information about um, safer sex and um, AIDS awareness. I don't even talk about it a lot because it's... I've never, I never heard this before. Yeah, I, 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 it's, it, was, it was really the beginning of my introduction to service. Um, I, I worked with a few different organizations, the Minority AIDS Prevention um, Project and uh, Teenage... Teenagers for AIDS Prevention Services. And I really got to travel. I I would attend these sessions where I I was um, informed about the latest uh, sets of information around AIDS. And then I would literally uh, travel the country a couple of times a year um, and and, and disperse that information. 
And it really sparked my interest in being of service. When I when I really um, got to see um, the people that it was impacting, the, how it, how it impacted the families that I was informing, and the um, you know the communities, how they responded to it, it really I didn't realize it at that time, but it it piqued my interest into a life of service. And that um, really just continued on um, even beyond high school. I started working with young people. I've always been a fan of working with young people. I've, I've always just been drawn to, um, you know, young people. So I, I, I worked in various capacities um, in different group homes, working with uh, young people who had been involved with the criminal justice system. And I got to play, even at a young age, a, a the role of a mentor to a lot of these young people who had just, you know, taken, had been given some bad hands I mean dealt some bad hands and um so I got to play a role in their lives and and that just really just was began this the the ball rolling towards my journey of service indeed I never I had never heard that story before that's pretty <laughs> it did remind me of a of a group I was in in high school called photograph which mm-hmm. stands People helping others through oral group research about problems and hangups. Holy moly. <laughs> that is quite the acronym. <laughs> it's very, very late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. 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 John, welcome back. What what experiences in your life, John, led you to to this life of service you've chosen? Yes, sir. Well, growing up in a very small community, um, it was it was important that we did not just have a concern for ourselves, but we had a concern for others. And I watched my family do that on so many occasions. Uh, I can remember a family during the winter time. They lived in a very old, somewhat should have been an abandoned house. And my grandmother during the winter time would have them stay with us during the winter time because their house had no insulation, and she made sure that they had food to eat and had a warm bed to sleep in. And to me, that was a form of service, giving to those who were unable to give for themselves. And so with that, my mom, she worked with children and youth and families for a very long time. And in our church, we exemplified so many opportunities of service throughout the the year. And so uh, we did a lot of outside of the four walls and we did a lot in our community, going to individuals' homes and and just providing them uh, opportunities that maybe they did not have, going to nursing homes and things of that nature. And it was just something that was instilled in me, and I just continued to carry it on. You remind me of a book uh, called Bowling Alone, which talks about the the demise of community organizations, you know, churches, uh, but also key clubs and, you know, veterans associations. Uh, so many places where people gather to support one another. To what extent did school contribute to the to the person you are today? Yes, sir. So, again, growing up in a small community and my mom was was very young when she had me. She was 16 years old. And so um, when I started going, started going to elementary school, uh, there were a lot of teachers who knew my family. They taught my mom. They taught some of my aunts and uncles. And so when I triggered through elementary school and went to middle middle school, East Union Middle School, there were still teachers there who knew where I came from. And because of that, they really encouraged the potential that I had. Uh, 
Um, I was not the smartest student <laughs> in the group. Um, I enjoyed the socialization of school, socializing of school. Uh, but academically, I struggled. And so, but like Miss Sneed, there were teachers that really invested in me, even classes that I did not do that well in. And in high school, our principal at the time, uh, Mr. John Moore, he's passed on. And he was my mother's basketball coach and her math teacher. And I was pretty much invested a lot of time in me. And so many of us invested a lot of time in me. And so when I graduated from high school and I went off to college, in my mind, I wanted to become an attorney because I grew up, I wasn't poor, but I wasn't rich and I wanted to make money. And so when I went off to college, I majored in political science and I did uh, uh, went through um, the class and what have you. But I always found myself working with young people. I was working at Head Start. I was volunteering at our local church group. And so I graduated from college on a Saturday. The first job I had on that Monday was working in a private. Wow. Yeah, that's impressive. And, and you know, um, Omar, in your case, transitioning from cr crisscrossing the country, yeah. So uh, similar to John and Stephanie, um, my um, I, I was definitely impacted by teachers. And I can think of um, one particular class that I took, which was coincidentally, well, it's not really a coincidence at all. It actually makes all the sense in the world. It was a work experience class that I took in my junior year of high school. And this was a class, obviously, where it was all about preparing you for um, success in the workplace. And that class, along with a, a, a civics class that I took, really, I mean, as I look back, they really helped shape what journey I took. Um, there was an internship that I was placed in um, via that work experience class. And I worked with an organization in our town called McCarris Media Services. And I had no interest in media. I still don't have any interest in, in working in media, but the exposure that I got, the, the, the exposure into how to conduct yourself in a professional workplace, how to um, navigate through everything that that means, that that, that space requires, that particular experience is what I credit with helping me see the value in providing experiences and opportunities to young people. Because if it weren't for that experience, along with some other teachers or and, and community members who saw whatever it was that they saw in me to hold my hand and, and point me in these directions. Um, if I, I think about those people that play those roles in my life and, and nothing makes me happier than being able to be that and play that role in the lives of the young people that we serve. I mean, it, it, it's for me just as valuable as any paycheck um, because I, it's, it's a lifelong um, memory that I have, you know. Um, Ross, you see me respond to hearing about how somebody um, that played a big role in my life professionally, um, when she passed it, it and, and I learned about it, it just it hit me like a ton of bricks because even though I don't talk, I hadn't spoken with her in a long time. I think about the impact that she had on my life and it just, you know, it, it, it meant a lot to me and it would mean nothing more. It would mean so much to me if I was able to have that kind of impact on, on another young person. I remember we talked about her. Omar, you remind me, you know, we're, we're a little bit different in age, 
but for me, the early 70s, very political. And I re recall actually in high school giving out, you know, campaign stickers and going door to door to support uh, George McGovern, sure. you know, uh, much to the chagrin of my family, Man. you know, staunch Republicans. But um, I do credit the young people I was around, some mentors, maybe a teacher or two here along the way, not a lot, um, but but certainly that journey to, you know, to service. And I, I agree with you, it's just as powerful as money. Yeah. You can take, take it to bed with you, you know, and, and makes you sleep better. That's right. That's right. Very true. John, how do you steel yourself against the pushback and the, and the angry people who, you know, attend board meetings? It seems as though the culture has shifted in our world. Yes, sir. Um, anyone who says negativity doesn't affect you, I believe they're lying. Mm -hmm. uh, because at the end of the day, even though we know that there are certain things that will, that will happen or it comes with the territory, it still affects us. And I have had a lot of challenging emails and uh, letters that have come to my house. <laughs> Uh, I have had individuals who have stalked our church's page and made comments during our worship service. Uh, and I had to continue to serve. I had to continue to keep going um, and realize that everyone uh, doesn't operate by a level of morality. Um, and when we understand that everyone is different and everyone has their opinions and what have you, and we have to keep tunneling through it, I think that can, and we understand what our, what our purpose is. Keep the main thing, the main thing. It's not about likes. It's not about dislikes. It's about serving and it comes with the territory. And so it does affect, it does affect me. It has affected me. Uh, but I understand that if I lay down and I wake up the next morning, it's an opportunity for me to serve again. So, um, and, and you don't get angry or you, you do, you must. Oh yes, I, I get I get angry. I get very angry. Uh, we had a situation earlier in the year, and uh, I had did a live, and I was just I mean furious. And my uncle, who is one of my, he's like my big brother. He's ten years older than me. Uh, he called me. We had a conversation, and he had to encourage me in the process to never allow people to get you out of character. And and I think that when you have the right people around you, it's okay to get angry, but you have to make sure that your anger. Um, is is one that is 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 mixed with passion, but never to the point where you bring a reproach to who you are and what you represent. Because after you've gotten angry, and if you respond out of out of a very dark place, people will forget all of the positive things that you've done, and they will put you in that category as being this angry black man. And that's never the that's never the the, the point or the perspective that I want people to get. But you always have to make sure that your anger is filtered with passion as well. Hmm. Yeah, I can see how that could be a challenge. And, uh, you know, in a moment, we are going to take our second and final break. When we get back, I'd like us to talk about the, the broader picture of service and what it takes to get young people involved in their community. And do we see, you know, on the horizon hope, or do we see more polarization, more fractured uh, communities that are divided over issues or, uh, you know, culture? So it's been a really fascinating conversation. I'm happy to 
uh, have both of you here with us today on the program. We want to encourage our, our audience uh, to download these episodes. You can find them at uh, simply by saying into your into you know your computer, uh, let's reinvent school, or you know, going to let's reinvent school on your on your um, on any web page or wherever you download your podcast. So uh, we've had several thousand downloads already of our programs, and we look forward to expanding our audience. You're going to learn a little bit more again about MechEd, also how to donate. Uh, before we go, Mr. Parks, do you want to give a plug for your DJ business? How, how do how do we contact? I'm happy. To, I'm always. You don't have to ask me twice. Um, I've been DJing here in Mecklenburg County for uh, over 20 years. Um, if you're interested in DJ services for any kind of events, corporate events, weddings, school parties, backyard parties, baby showers, and everything in between, you can just Google Parks Entertainment Charlotte, and that's Parks P A R K E S Entertainment Charlotte, and you will find all of my links. My my wedding wire, my the not, um, Instagram, Facebook, Google, all of that is on there. Um, we specialize in turning music into memories. Uh, so please give us a shout. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. We'll see you on the other side. Thanks for joining us today. And we, when we get back, we'll be talking about the picture of service in the world in which we live. Thank you. MechEd's been around since 1991. We're here to serve young people in Mecklenburg County, and we're here uh, to make sure that they have the experiences, the knowledge, the skills that they are going to need to thrive in life. Young people spend only 20% of their time in school. 80% of their life is spent outside of school. And we want to make sure that we recognize that education doesn't just equal school. We learn in all different kinds of places in different ways. With after school, you're hitting on academics. You're hitting on the things that they might not have during regular school. So like you have visual art, dance, theater, coding. They still get to do with their friends at school with people who are just like them. Some of them don't even know they could dance. They didn't know. Some of them don't know that they can draw. Um, so we try to bring those things out of them that they don't even know that they're capable of. But we've really enjoyed the support and appreciated the support from Charlotte Next and Mac Ed, not just in um, financial assistance, but also just giving us assistance and support along the way to get the programs up and running. Not every student has the opportunity to experience and, and participate in in-school or out-of-school activities. They have so many demands on themselves. And MECED opens that door to those students. Every student is different. And what MECED does a fabulous job of is meeting that student where they are. So MECED is a college and career readiness uh, institution that is very committed to workforce development, has been for quite some time, with a special emphasis on making sure that the kids who face obstacles in our community have a fair shot at a bright future. Right now we're working with young people from uh, Garinger, from Harding University High, West Charlotte, and Chambers High School. Uh, before the pandemic, they were all on the bottom fifth of the economic ladder. These days, they, it's hard for them to even find that ladder. Then we provide job shadows, uh, paid internships. We'll put, pay for career clothing, transportation, food, certification programs. The goal is to make sure that every, every young person in Mecklenburg County has an opportunity to, to live a life where they can thrive, both in school and out of school. And we believe that that doesn't happen just by being in school, that school isn't enough. 
that to be educated requires much more than school. Experiences matter. My experiences with MedEd, uh, they put me in an internship at the hospital for two years. I think I, th I do think MedEd is invested in me um, living my dream. They want the best for each and every one of their students. And it's like they won't go down without a fight. <laughs> so MedEd means opportunity. Family, friendship. I am a healthcare tech at Atrium Health University in the Maternity Center. Uh, career Pathways. We work with underserved high school students. We put them in internships at 135 different businesses and industries around Mecklenburg County. It's, it's a powerful economic mobility machine. The experience with Career Pathways, it made me more determined. That's how I got my job at Atrium because I volunteered for four years at the hospital. So it made me get connections and, and they said, I'll, I'll give you a call. With um, the students that we've had, the preparation that they had through Career Pathways was just exceptional. Honestly, I don't know what I would would do without Career Pathways. Like, I don't want to see it. Like, it's not. I don't know having someone to talk to and a shoulder to cry on. You know, different family. Welcome back from recess to Let's Reinvent School with Ross Dennis. Got your thinking cap on today? We're going to teach you how to reinvent the public education system. And we want to hear from you. Feel free to call in to ask a question or to tell us your story. Call in to 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show with Ross Dennis. Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Omar Parks. And John Kirkpatrick, earlier in the program, we were speaking with Stephanie Sneed. The focus today is all about service, our journey to service. And what I've been hearing in these last two segments are things like church, family, Girl Scouts, engaging in activities early on uh, to help the world, help make the world a better place. And despite the fact that there are obstacles in that road and people can make you angry, uh, it's not an easy path to take, but I'm but I'm hearing, you know, not necessarily about school it's in and of itself, but the people in school who believe in you, the teachers who believe in you, who you know had your your best interest at heart. And so here we are, 2022, in somewhat fractured state of existence, you know, across the country, uh, people polarized around their point of view and. Uh, sort of beyond truth, whatever you want to call that, this era that we're in. And Omar, I'll start with you. You think there's a, a way out? Do you think there's a way to come together or unify uh, people across the country? Wow, that is um, civilized. Is there a way to unify people across the country in this day and age of misinformation and vitriol and polarization? Um, I'm going to, despite the way I, I, I set up my response, I'm going to say yes, because I, I, God help us all if there isn't. Um, um, I, I believe it's going to happen um, not on a macro scale, but one on a micro scale, you know, one person, one group at a time, one small, one small um, step at a time. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, 
it's every day it becomes harder to maintain this positive outlook. But luckily for us in the work that we do, I'm inspired every day by the young people that we serve. And, you know, the more I find, the more that I pay less attention to what I see on the news and more about what my day to day experiences are, um, I have a brighter outlook. These young people that we are fortunate enough to spend time with every day um, are rays of sunshine. And this is not hyperbole. It's, 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 it's the honest to God truth. Um, they, they, in our experience, they go so far against the narrative that is broadly pushed about who they are and, and the, the communities that they represent. Um, it, it gives me inspiration every day. And it's not like, um, you know, they're, they're not looking for pity. They're not looking for anything other than a chance many times. And um, I feel honored, blessed, fortunate to be able to play that role in their life. So, yes, through the work that I do, through the work that I see many of the people doing who we work with, yes, I believe that there is an opportunity for us to change this thing around. And um, love wins. And, and it's not something that, I, you know, over the past few years I hadn't, been saying that I had been convinced that of the, of the power of hate to tell you the truth, um, but at the end of the day, uh, my, my my honest true belief is that love wins, and yes, there is hope. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, especially around the young people we serve. When I say unity, I, I don't mean that we're all unified around the same beliefs, but rather, you know, we're willing to walk a mile in another person's shoes. There it is empathy. We can see it a point of view that's different from our own and respect it as opposed to trying to knock it down uh, with anger. John, what gives you hope? So when Omar was talking uh, and Miss um, Nee, she had mentioned about a bridge. And when she said that, a lot of people don't know, I hate bridges. Hmm. I hate bridges. I am terrified of bridges. I will literally, if I'm not driving, I will close my eyes until I have gotten to the end of a bridge. I hate it. But one of the things about a bridge, when you look at it, because you have people who travel the bridge every day from different backgrounds, who come from their situations, while on the bridge, they can be they can be having moments of contemplating just giving up you never know the mindset and the type of people that's traveling we 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 lost him I but i think we, i think we get the gist of what he was saying yeah the metaphor yes Rich, you might hate going over it yes but you know there's lots of people bringing different things across that bridge yeah you know, the middle um and the reason why we have hope is because we're those we are we for some people, we are those individuals that I believe have been equipped and strengthened to be able to handle all of the pressure that other people have to deal with, <laughs> even while we're trying to deal with our own pressure. Hmm. And so that that gives me so much hope to know, as Mr. Parks mentioned, the kids that we deal with, some of them. The kids that we serve, let me not say deal with, because sometimes when you deal with somebody, it's not because you want to, you have to. But the kids that we serve um, come from some challenging situations. But we're in this position because we're able to help it. We're able to provide them what they need. And so um, is there a potential? Yes. 
uh, are their challenge, yeah, but just like a bridge, they travel, their people travel on it every day, but they have been equipped and they, they have been strengthened and a bridge is strong enough to handle all of that pressure. And if there's some challenges that come along the way and maybe there needs to be some repair, just like all of us, we get repaired and we get back in the trenches to serve who we're called to serve. So, I prefer uh, to work in the garden than to uh, live in the trenches. <laughs> so that's a powerful that. metaphor, though. That 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 is a. I I um yes, I I appreciate that that picture that you drew there, and you know, you you, you said it just right, John. That we are strong enough. So even though we are all individually dealing with everything that we have going on in our individual lives, we've been challenged and tasked with the work that we do because um, people believe in us. They believe that we can do it. Um, and it's not um, something that any of us should take lightly. It's, it's a huge responsibility that we have. Um, and um, luckily for us, we see the payout every day. Absolutely. Love does win. In our final few minutes uh, together, I want to shift the focus back to school and and share this. In my travels through schools recently, just recently, uh, I noticed signs all over the wall, you know, murals that talk about service and the importance of being a, of service to your brothers and sisters, to uh, people in your in your community. And at the same time, I happened to pick up a copy of the discipline policy in, in one, this particular school, and I won't name the school. And, and it says, for a third offense of the dress code, you're assigned community service. And it just struck me as odd that we would preach, you know, the, the value of service to others, but then punish you with community service so that it's incongruous to me. And that happens to have been a policy in this particular district since 1971. It was revisited in 2012 and endorsed. And if there's anything that I hope uh, a school board can do and anyone running for the school board is to somehow change that policy. Because we should be rewarding people with community service. It should feel good. It shouldn't feel like punishment. Just a little personal uh, pet peeve I have at, at this particular moment. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I think um, that's that's a large part of our responsibility. The responsibility of anybody who exists in a space where you're forming the minds of young people. It's not just about passing a test. It's not just about, you know, making it to college. It's, it's about um, growing into a civic-minded person, somebody that cares about their neighbor um, and, and would, 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 you know, do whether or not they're getting paid for it, you know? Um, and I think there there is a there is a, a disconnect there between the people that are um, essentially playing a role in raising our children and um, that value. I think there's we just lost touch with that value, and uh, there's Absolutely. a way to restore it. Like you said, we should get it back. Yeah, you were saying, John. Yes, sir. I, I agree. That's something that has to be instilled. Uh, I believe at an early age. Uh, the importance and the value of serving and not using it as a, a form of punishment, um, but as a form of of giving, you know, and loving. You you both have said it, you know, love wins. And I, I agree with that 100%. And when you understand the importance of what serving is all about, 
it will just ignite this this fire on the inside of you that it's not just a moment, but it's something that you learn how to exemplify for a lifetime. What I hear both of you saying is that in in addition to raising test scores, we're also raising children. And it's important to keep in mind, you know, civic minded adults who uh, care about their community. It's a it's something that I would like to imagine is possible. I hope so. I think it is. Uh, as you said, Omar and John and Stephanie earlier, you know, what gives us hope is this next generation of young people who continue to inspire us and uh, working hard and taking care of each other. I see that all the, all of the time. It's all yesterday afternoon when we were we were doing where people were looking after each other. So um, it's been pretty extraordinary. We've heard about family. We've heard about church. We heard about the importance of socialization uh, and socializing, which was apparently uh, John's focus in school. The social. Uh, and we, we've talked a bit about uh, teachers in our lives, family, all who've inspired us. I would add coworkers. You, know, you find somehow it's, it's hard to find your tribe. Yeah. We, here at McEd, where we were, I feel as though we found tribe. You know, people who are committed to service and service of young people and transforming young lives. I'm proud, honored, and humbled to do that. Thank you all. Uh, Stephanie, thank you. You're not here, but we send our thanks. John, thank you. I know we struggled with some sound, but uh, it all it all worked out. And Omar, as always, you're the best. You're always there. And, I, and you know, rock solid, dependable like duct tape. So thank you again. We're all in together. See you next Thursday at 11 o'clock. Our guest is Frederico Rios. We'll, you know, we'll learn more about that as we get closer to the date. Take care, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Let's Reinvent School. Tune in next week as we provide more great insight into the state of the public education system. Until next week, class dismissed.